This is the You Show Podcast. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome in. This is the You Show Podcast. I'm Chris Dreft. He's Ben Gisselson, and this is a special edition draft preview show as the NHL draft is coming up next week, and we have ourselves another exciting year for the USHL at the NHL draft. They're going to have a huge impact, as we have done in recent years. And, Ben, it's, you can't get a, special, a more special guest for a draft preview show than our guest today. No, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Chris. This is the pinnacle of guys who break down drafts in, in the hockey world. I, I, I can't really put anybody above him, I think, because he's just got so much knowledge. Craig Button, uh, I, 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 kept, I almost didn't even say his name there. I was just going to list off all these accolades and why he yeah. is the, the head of all things amateur scouting uh, for the NHL draft. But, yeah, Craig Button, who um, not only is such a knowledge – point for all of us to, to refer back to and read his articles and look at his draft boards, but he's just such a nice guy. I mean, yeah. he, every time I, I've had, the, I've been blessed in a few opportunities to meet him in person and to be around him and talk to him. And the type of guy that when you talk to him, even though this guy has done so much in the hockey world and has established so much for himself, he's the type of guy that when you talk to him, you know, he's legitimately listening to you and is interested in what you're saying. And so I just have all the time in the world for guys like that. And, uh, and Craig Button uh, is is just such a jovial person, and I think I use that in the in the interview because that's the best way I can think to describe him. So much passion about hockey, and so much information that he stores in that mind of his. So this was a real blast. And someone who has more passion for the USHL than most scouts out there, right? As he calls it, criminally underscouted. Um, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. he loves the USHL. He usually has high, guys high on his list, and he's usually right. And that's not a biased thing because we're a USHL podcast. It's he usually hits the nail on the head or the button on the head, you could say. But um, very, very good, very good. <laughs> yeah. But he is—he's—he's uh, he's a genius. I mean, there's lack of a better word. He's a, a scouting and you know amateur player genius. So let's just get right to it because we got a long one, a lot of great information. This was probably, if not one of the most fun we've had on a podcast and the amount of information you're about to get, I mean, you're going to be totally ready to go for the draft next week. So without further ado, Craig Button. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us now on the You Show podcast is a man you've all heard of, especially if you've ever seen an NHL draft. He's had pretty much every job you can think of in hockey as it relates to draft scouting, even a general manager, uh, a draft guru, you could say, the director of scouting, for TSN, Greg Button. How are we doing today, sir? Uh, we're doing really well, Chris. You know what? Nice introduction. And I think one of the beautiful things that I enjoy year in, year out is that, you know, the enthusiasm of the young players and them pursuing these such ambitious goals of trying to reach the, the mountaintop. It just, it, it really is. And with the, with the draft, uh, you know, finally uh, coming uh, up here, it's going to be just a terrific time for all those players. And it, it, it's one step. But it's an important step because it, it speaks to hours and days and years of sacrifice and motivation by these young players. And year in, year out, uh, I, it just always impresses me. So obviously this is a little bit different of a year, but you hear the broadcasters say it at the end of every draft, the amount of tireless effort that is put in by people like you and just scouts in general to come together, build this draft, 
There's a lot of skill. There's a lot of luck involved in it. This year, along with everything, is crazier than ever because we didn't even know the date of the draft until, what, a couple weeks ago? And now you have this short offseason. You know, we can go on for days about how, you know, for lack of a better word, weird this is going to be. So for you, a guy that has to put so much work and effort into this, are you ready for the draft? I, I would say yes, and, and, and not just ready and not just saying it. I'm, like, I'm confident because – and I think this is where NHL teams are going to really be able to evaluate their own scouting and evaluation uh, processes. And, you know, I've been fortunate because I've been able to watch these players for such a long period of time, two and three years at a minimum. So you were able to watch the players develop, you know, the progression that they make. I'll give you a perfect example. I've watched Brendan Brisson since he played at Shattuck St. Mary's. And I, I've said this often, every single time I went back to watch him, it was like he took this another step above from where I've seen him previously. And, and that's exciting. And, but, but the ability to be able to go and watch for, from a, obviously everybody starts at, at some point when you, you start to see a player, but to be able to do that and then to say, okay, I know that everybody had the same challenge once the pause began because of the pandemic. Nobody had an opportunity to go watch these players again. So what did you do and what was your evaluation process prior to that, which ultimately gives you confidence? So when I answer your question, yeah, I feel prepared, but I also feel confident in my preparations because I've been afforded a great opportunity to watch these players like I said, for such a long period of time. Well, you mentioned it. Brendan Brisson is a, a, a USHL name that we're going to see hopefully very early in the NHL draft. But there's just more and more names you keep hearing called from the USHL as, as we progress. I mean, even last year. Last year, I mean, some people might say it was an anomaly with nine first-rounders, 55 total players, and then 52 active players, which broke the record of 45. I mean, the USHL has gone from a league where you'll see some late-round guys – occasional first round pick to all of a sudden they're making a strong impact on the NHL draft an expert's opinion why do you believe that's the case well I, I, number one it's because the league is so well run and and not just from a macro level from a league perspective and how well organized it is and how professional it is but there's been an investment by the individual clubs, you know, in coaching, in development. And now you're able to attract even better players. You know, USHL is, has a long-standing history of, of producing players. And, you know, John Cooper wins the Stanley Cup. We, we know what he did. Derek Lalonde, you know, maybe not a lot of mention of Derek, but, but he came through the USHL. So, but the, when you can attract top players, the best players, and to come into your league because you have quality coaching and you have quality development, and they're going to be watched not only just by the colleges, but also by the NHL scouts. And that is really important because as I talked about at the outset, when you have players that have these great goals and these great ambitions, and they have this great determination to try to achieve them, they want to be in spots where they can have the best chance to do that. And the USHL provides a tremendous opportunity to do that. And when I talk about everything that goes into it from the macro, the way the league organizes it, you know, we were chatting just before we started this podcast. 
we would usually be in Pittsburgh right about this time for the USHL Fall Classic. And I think about the evolution of that, you know, where it was more of an exhibition, then it became part of the regular season. And now it's, it's something significant for the scouting community, both from the college, the NCAA uh, level and the NHL level to come and watch all these players in important games. And again, it's, it, it, it's a beginning of that particular draft year, but really all those things with the quality that, that, that just permeates right through the league and its uh, individual clubs. I mean, that, that's why the, the league has so much notoriety. And because if you can't attract the talent, why is anybody going to go there to watch the, the players? And, there's, and, and it's not just top-end talent. It's not, I talk about Brendan Brisson, you know, Sam Colangelo. It, it, it's players. Blake Coleman played in the USHL. I mean, he was a later-round draft pick. He's a Stanley Cup champion, a 20-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. There's lots of – Joe, like, uh, you, you, you think about Adam Gadette. Adam Gadette won the Hobie Baker Award. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a real strong player as a middle-round draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks. And, I mean, I'm just, I'm just tapping into just a, a very few players that not only are in the NHL, but are having great success in the NHL. Greg, I'm looking forward to picking your brain on maybe a few of those future Adam Goddats or Blake Coleman's that might be coming up in, in this upcoming draft so soon. But before we get there, you've been such a champion of the United States Hockey League, despite being, uh, you don't want to say behind enemy lines, but up in Canada where you're in the heart of CHL country, but you've always been a champion of the USHL. You watch so many games in person and I'm sure over the internet. But when you think back on the 2019-20 USHL season, which of course, unfortunately ended prematurely, what jumps out at you, aside from the fact that it was a year unlike anything else where it ended early like that? What's the first thing or the first team or the first players that come to mind when you think about that last USHL season? Well, you know, there's two things that really come to mind, Ben. Number one, the World Junior A Challenge, you know, where the, where the USA, you know, had such a tremendous team. I mean, uh, t a year ago in 2018, the USA won it. Ronnie Adder, you know, was was the captain of that team, a, a really good, strong team that, you know, ended up winning it. But the team last year that went there was so good. I, I, I'm still shocked that they didn't win. And so, you know, you, you know what the quality of, of, of the player and coach, you know, who's got a long history in the USHL and a really accomplished coach. You know, if you go and, and all the NHL scouts – are, are up there in, in BC, Fort St. John, and Dawson Creek. And it, it, you're not just looking at Brendan Brisson. You're looking all the way through, and you're going, boy, are there some good players here. And, you know, where are they going to school, and how good can they be in two and three years? That's number one. Number two, anytime I watch the Chicago Steel this past year, it was, it was pretty impressive. I mean, the way they played, and, 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 and I think one of the key things, too, to keep in mind, Greg Moore, their head coach, call it poaching, but it really was a, <laughs> a great opportunity for him to, to go to the American Hockey League as a head coach. And, and it, it didn't seem like they missed a beat, you know. And I think it speaks to the Chicago Steel, Ryan Hardy, you know, hey, listen, we're going to celebrate you. We're going to give you every opportunity to be the best you can be. And they lose Greg, but they have, they have so many good things in place that they, you know, nobody wants to lose a good coach, 
but you have a replacement, you have a succession plan. But on the ice, I mean, I just love, I love the way they play. I love the way they're allowed to play uh, as individual players and as a group. And, you know, so those would be the two things that really stood out to me with the USHL this year. And, and that's not to diminish any other in the USHL, but those are, those are the two that really stand out to me. The complete surprise I had when they couldn't win the World Junior A Challenge again, but the Chicago Steel was a, was a positive story. And one, that they weren't able to finish off uh, to tr compete for a championship. And to compete for a handful of records, they very oh, likely yeah. <laughs> would have gotten to. I mean, my goodness, it was uh, it was about as dominant of a performance in junior hockey as I've ever seen. You've been watching junior hockey a lot longer than I have, Craig. So I wanted to ask you with that Chicago Steel team, where do they rank in terms of dominating performances? Can, do you think about other teams you've seen, whether it be USHL or elsewhere? And where do they rank on that list of just the fact that they took to the ice every night and really just ran over teams. Well, and I think that it was their domination, as you point out, Ben. And, you know, they're right up there with the very best junior teams I've seen. And, and, and whether that be in the USHL or junior A hockey or the CHL, because it didn't matter where they were playing. It didn't matter who they were playing. They played. And they, they came in with an attitude that said, we're here to play. We're going to give you our best. So if you want to, you know, give us your best, we're ready for it. And, and whatever an opponent's best was, it didn't matter to the Chicago Steel. They, they could beat you any number of ways. They were complete. And you look, and one of the things that, you know, whenever they had up in their forward group, I've had this question asked to me a number of times uh, from NHL scouts about, well, what, what about Luke Reed didn't have as many points? Well, I said, all he had to do was just get the puck somewhere and it might touch four other players. So why would he get those many points? But what he did was really significant. And I think that that speaks to their entire team and, you know, how well they played, not just individually, but how they played it as a group. And like, they were fun. Like, honestly, you, you went to a game, like watching Chicago, it was always fun to know you're going to watch the Chicago Steel. The nine players listed on that oh. final <laughs> rankings from the NHL Central Scouting, and uh, that's not even to, to keep in mind the fact that there's going to be more players coming out of that place sooner than later here that are going to be top draft picks. Uh, a guy we wanted to talk to you about, speaking of Chicago, Adam Fantilli tendering with the Chicago Steel this past summer. He was a guy that was likely going to go and still might likely go very early in the OHL draft, but what kind of ripples and waves do you think that sends when someone of that caliber tenders to go to the potentially to go to the USHL as opposed to taking the CHL route? Well, I mean, Adam, and, and again, I talk about it. I've watched Adam play since he was 14. So I have a, I have a good, strong familiarity with uh, Adam Fantilli. And, you know, what, again, we're talking about talent. So, you know, we talk about recruiting. Uh, we see, college teams always trying to recruit the best players. Well, you know, when you're after the best players, there's only one place you can go. And this is the same case with Adam Fantilli. There's no reason everybody wouldn't be interested in him. But why would he choose Chicago? And, and, and it's, not, it's not about why he would choose them, but it's why does a player of that caliber go there? Because he looks at it again, it's development. It's about how I'm going to get better. It's about the opportunity I'm going to be given. It doesn't mean that there's not other good places he could go to, but his confidence level of, of saying, 
this, this fits for me. I, I always tell young players when they're going to visit colleges, they ask, ask me, what about this college or that college? I said, I can only tell you this. You're not going to go wrong picking any one of them. But what you need to do is, is go and visit, talk, because they're going to offer you something different from a coaching staff and from a, a student perspective and a, a university experience perspective. But I always tell them, I said, you're going to know when it's right for you. You're going to know what one is right for you. And never has it failed where a, where a young player didn't come back to me and say, yeah, you were right. I just knew that this was my place. And so it doesn't mean it, you could be visiting five great schools. You got to choose one, but you better be able to offer those opportunities and those experiences that, that the players value. And I think that that's exactly where Adam Antilly is. But I mean, you, you think about what Muskegon has done in being able to attract some of the Russian players. And, you know, Andrei Svechnikov, just a superb player. D Daniil Gushin, who comes over there. Well, again, so th they have to be able to keep the players, you know, and from an entirely different part of the world. You know, how do we integrate them? How do we assimilate them and still allow them to be players? That's how you do it. So Muskegon is very different than Chicago. But the ideas are exactly the same. Just like I can tell you that, you know, Michigan, if you want to go to Michigan, is very different than going to UMass Amherst. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't have a great opportunity at UMass Amherst or, you know, it's going to be lesser than Michigan. It's different, but it's still quality. So the USHL this year might not have the high-end impact in the first 10 picks as it did last year, but it's going to – I mean, you're going to hear you guys get named. I mean, it might, they might have the whole second and third round. I mean, it seems like so much depth in the USHL for this year's draft. So who are some of those names that you most likely we haven't talked about yet that you think teams are going to get a real bargain, maybe third and fourth round that for some reason are going to fall one way or the other, but are going to be, you know, really productive players potentially in the NHL here soon. Well, I mean, I mean, it, it, it starts to be uh, like I could mention, I just mentioned Daniel Gushin, right? Like, like he's not – Braden Point just scored 14 goals in the, in the, in the NHL playoffs. And I, I watched Braden play since he was 14. He's always been a good player. He just needed time to physically mature. Daniel Gushin's a really good player. <laughs> he just needs time to mature. But inevitably, somebody's going to go lighten off or anything. Like, watch what he does in the game. He scores. He's smart. He makes plays with the puck. You know, Sam Colangelo – who's a very different type of winger, big and strong and skates and got this power to him. You know, you, you look at those two different types of players, you know, like, yeah, okay, I look at it and say, Sam has got this physical uh, package. Daniel has his own unique. I don't think you can compare the two. You just say, okay, who fits, who doesn't with respect to, you know, what you're trying to look for, uh, you know, in, in a player. But you know, we've talked about Brendan Brisson, right? Like, I mean, I, I still can't believe that Gunnar Wolf Fontaine didn't get drafted last year. <laughs> I, still, I still sit here in amazement thinking about who, and by the way, he's got the best name in hockey. Yeah, he certainly wasn't, oh wouldn't know who he was. <laughs> yeah. and, and he goes by Gunnar Wolf. He doesn't go by Gunn or Gun, it's Gunnar Wolf. And like, but he, he reminds me so much of Mike Hoffman, who was a middle round draft pick in the NHL. Uh, you know, recently with Florida, but that offensive player. And one of the things I really believe when you're watching players, what translates to the NHL? And I watch, 
Gunner Wolf and the way he plays and the way he gets open and the way he gets his shot off. And I just say when he gets with better players, he's going to be just as good. And he, he's going to be able to take even greater advantage. And, you know, there's a player, he's have to go back very far to look at Nick Abrazizi who was a 20-year-old player when he got drafted in the, I believe, the fourth round by the Toronto Maple Leafs, led all NCAA freshmen in scoring. <laughs> I mean, I mean, again, but I know why Nick, Nick needed a little bit of time to grow. We need a little bit of time to – so I, I bring in Nick because I think Gunnar Wolf is a – I don't care that he's 20. Draft him. Let him go to school. Let him get physically mature. You're going to have a player in, in two or three years. And I think a lot of teams are impatient. They're looking at the here and now instead of the development. A player that I've watched for a few years, Trevor Kuntar, who plays in Youngstown. Like, so you watch, you kind of look back at your notes, you kind of see some. I see a player now who's just trending. He's just like, you can see him getting stronger. Getting, and as he gets stronger, he becomes more confident. And as he becomes more confident, he becomes more productive. You know, those players that that type of a player that can continuously show that he's getting better the way he attacks the game the way he 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 plays in in, in all areas of the game okay i i I might is he going to be a second round draft pick i would say no but i would i would suggest strongly that a team better be considering him very seriously at some point you know in in the middle part of the draft or the fourth round or even the third third round because I think that you know John Leonard think about John Leonard who played at UMass Amherst drafted by the uh, uh, San Jose Sharks look at what he did in the USHL he needed time I, I believe he was a sixth round draft pick those are the types of players and, and Connor Mackey got signed by the Calgary Flames as a college free agent he played in the USHL you could have drafted him so, you know, I think it's an underscouted league. And one of the things that I think NHL teams best recognize is the quality of player in this league. And they better spend a lot more time scouting this league because the players are good and there's some real gems to be found. Greg, I think we're going to have you back on sometime and we're just going to start throwing names out and you're going to go – when they were drafted, where they were drafted, what round, and we'll see if we can manage to stump you. I think that's going to be our next time we have you on, if you're okay with that. Okay, I'm fine with that, man. <laughs> we'll call it on the uh, Again, uh, Craig, really grateful for the time and, and, and want to pick your brain not only on, on what you think uh, of some of these players in the USHL, but I, I want to talk a little why, too. For any young player or, or parent of a young player that could listen to this podcast, someone like you is someone that they would want their child or them to be on your radar. What is getting on Craig Button's radar like? What are maybe the first few things that when you really well, I'll get to walk into a hockey building again to watch hockey, when you do that or when you watch online and you go, okay, this guy, I'm going to write his name down. Well, I think number one is, 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 is you go into the, and, and I'll talk about the USHL, you know there's good players there. So, you, you know, you're watching the game. And, you know, for me, I'm lucky because, again, I've watched players. So when I go back, you know, like I'm building now on Gunnar Wolf Fontaine from previous years. I'm building on Trevor Kuntar from previous years, right? So it's not like I have to come in and learn all the players like I'd seen Ronnie Adder play and you, you know you go back and now you start to see him play and you go wow is this player ever improved right and so you have the benefit of it so I, 
obviously you have to start and you have to say, okay, what are their skill set? Well, you're not playing in the USHL unless you have a, a skill set. So, so what I always tell players, you, you know, what's your calling card? Play to your strengths. Don't try to be something you're not. So if, if Sam Colangelo, I'm just going to use Sam here and Daniel Gushin as an example, I would tell those two players, you're going to approach the game very differently just based on your physical stature. Sam, you're big, you're strong, you're powerful. You know, don't let opponents get between you and the puck. You know, make sure that you are, are driving and leaning and, that, and you make it really hard for opponents to come through you. Well, Daniel Gushin can't play the same way. So what I was... You need to, Daniil, sorry, I keep calling him Daniel, Daniil Lucian, his agent <laughs> will get Matt, Todd Diamond, and Mark Gander will, will correct me quickly, so I want to make that correction now, is that you're quick, you're fast. You don't have to try to overpower anybody. Be quick. Be quick with your hands. Get in on the puck. You don't have to overpower uh, the opponent. If you're, not, if you're not capable of overpowering somebody, don't. But if you're capable of being quick, be quick. So that's what I mean just as a general example of, of using your strengths and, and, and your calling card, right? Then now you have to be competitive. Like there's just no way. And there, there's going to be games, afternoons, nights, where you're going to go into a game and you're going to say, listen, I'm not feeling 100%. I might only be at 80%. That's fine. Just give me 100% of your 80%. You know, and, and I think that that type of determination, that type of work ethic, all the players want to put their best foot forward every single game. We, we, I know that. I see the, the pressures that players put on themselves going into a draft year to be noticed, to be on a radar. You know what? If you don't have a great game, don't think it's, it, it's fatal. It isn't. Recognize it. Recognize that you could have played better. Continue to work at it. The good scouts, the good scouting groups are going to always continuously watch. And they're always going to continue and at one game or that game. And, and the last thing I would say, don't get caught up in prospects games of that nature. It's nice. You've been recognized as a good prospect. But if you don't play good, don't worry about it. And if you do play good, continue to build on that. That's what I would say. I'm not telling you to, to dismiss it, but don't think that, th that, that those games are an end-all and a be-all. And Ben and Chris, I'll be very clear with you. There's a lot, there, there's a number of NHL teams that, you know, spend so little time scouting the USHL that they come into these prospects games and they miss players because, you know, a lot of the times it's, it's a case of players having not played together. So you got to be careful about not only who you're evaluating and, and what their strengths are, but when you're evaluating them. And I think that's another thing too. You got to go spend time talking to the coaches and the managers. Is there anything I need to be aware of? Oh yeah. By the way, player eight tonight, you know, he got banged up last night, you know, just be aware of, of information that can help you in that evaluation. But for the players, parents, you know what, just continuously be who you are. That's what, that, that's what I try to say and be competitive and determined in your approach to playing. Like Josh Stone. I've got to use John. Now I've known Shane since he was 17 years old and, and the father, right? But you go and watch Josh. Josh is at a different stage of his physical maturity. Just give him another six months and watch where he's going to be at. But every time I went, didn't matter if he played eight minutes or 10 minutes or 11, he was, he was invested in the game. And that's what I would say. Get invested with your team, get invested in the game and 
just continue to try to improve each and every day. You bring up Josh Doan, a uh, part of, of potentially future NHL drafts coming up. We've talked a lot about the 2021 NHL draft, which of course is imminent. Oh. <laughs> I, I, want to, I want to talk and get your thoughts on maybe a couple of guys or a handful of guys that may not be showing up on an NHL draft board right now, but will be showing up in the future that are going to be USHL bound for what we hope will be a season that begins in November in the USHL. Who comes to mind in the 2021-22 USHL season on Craig Button's list? Oh, wow. You're, you're really testing me now. Well, I mean, 21-22 uh, or 2021? For the, the, the coming season. Oh, yeah. Sorry, 2021, yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm an English guy, not a math guy. Right? Oh, no, well, no, no. I mean, uh, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, at, at the same time that we've uh, been in this pandemic, in, in certain ways, time has stood, uh, has stood still, but, but, but it's also advanced. We, we, we start to think back to when all this happened, and it's hard to believe we're over a half a year into it. But that, that being said, well, I mean, you have to go right to uh, – uh, Michigan, because, you know, I was remiss when Chris was asking me <laughs> about Fantilli, not to mention another big reason Fen Adam Fantilli would choose Chicago, Owen Power. I mean, Owen Power would be a top pick in this year's draft. There's no question in my mind. Just uh, an unbelievable player, uh, the mind that he has for the game, but he's going to be at Michigan. So when we start to look, and, 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 and I don't want to, I don't want to under, state uh, the importance of the national team development program in the USHL because I think the development of those young players is really, really important and their integration into the USHL from the time they're 16, uh, you know, through their uh, 17 year is really, really important, you know, not just for those young players, but for other players to play against them and to challenge themselves uh, against those players. I, I think it becomes really, really important uh, to, to recognize how important it is for USA hockey and whatnot. Uh, you know, when you start to, you know, I, you know, people are going to think I'm just kind of looking at the USHL, but, you know, Matthew Coronado, I mean, there's another player. He's not the biggest of players, but he's a good player. And, and you have to look and what where he's going to be at in, in in the future years. But but he's got all the qualities you would want. He's quick. He's fast. He's competitive. He's smart. And, you know, they're probably, you know, in 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 some ways could be some comparison uh, uh, to Robert Master Simone, who played in Chicago too and you know, had a pretty good year at Boston University. I really like Matthew uh, Nice, who plays. Uh, who's a late birthday, uh, a really good, powerful player that I think is, he, he to me, would have been a, a top two-round pick in this year's draft, but he has the late birthday. I think he's going to be a real good, strong player. I talk about Owen Power as, as somebody that's going to really move forward with, with, with his ability to improve. But, you know, those are just a couple, and, and, and without – Without having, you know, we know about the U, some of the USHL players or the NDTP players, you know, and let's not forget, and, and, and I think it's important to say this, a couple of players that are going to be high picks next year, Zachary Bolduc started the year in the USHL. He was considering uh, the, uh, the, the NCAA route. Evan Naus uh, played a full year in the, in, in the NCAA. I mean, he, he, he's another player that could, could, could really move forward. And uh, 
I'm trying to remember, I'm trying, I'm forgetting the name of the French Canadian defenseman that, that played in the USHL that went to, uh, he was playing prep school in New England and he's coming back to the USHL this year. So, you know, you start to think, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll remember his name in a second. He's a pretty good gifted young player, but the USHL affords opportunities to so many of these young players to come in. They don't all have to find their way right off the bat. And I think that's a little bit of the difference between the CHL and the USHL. When you're, when you got these young, they got to come right in and kind of be finding their way. They've been first round draft picks. They got to come in and play. They got to contribute. They're no different than any other 16 year old. They're not capable of contributing to any great extent. Some of them, the rare ones are, but most of them need time. And I think that's the other thing that the USHL really affords these young players is that ability to move at a speed that corresponds with their physical maturity without these pressures. And, and, and you know, you know, there's good young players in, in, in the league, but they're not being pushed in, 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 in ahead too fast where, you know, their confidence can be affected, you know, that they run the risk of perhaps, you know, an injury because they're not physically strong enough. So the USHL really provides what I would call uh, like a normal progression for players to settle in to be the best they can be. Yeah, as we get towards the tail end of our show here, I, uh, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the legacy, the lineage of Craig Button prior to when you were going on the airwaves up at TSN. Of course, had a wonderful career, not only as the GM Calgary Flames, but with the, the Dallas Stars, where you do have a cup ring. And, and I, I saw that video of you polishing your, uh, your <laughs> mini Stanley Cup the other day on your Twitter. That was great. Gave me a good laugh. Um, but some, some big time draft picks that you've been a part of. Uh, draft picks with that Stars team specifically, that that team doesn't go where they go without your hand and bringing in the likes of a Darian Hatcher, a Jamie Langenbrunner, a Jerome Ginlop in Calgary was a guy you had a hand on. Is there a draft pick, and, and I'm sure it's going to be hard to answer, but when you think about some of the draft picks that you are proudest of, that you had a hand in, and maybe it's because of the careers that this player had or these players had, or maybe it's because of something that this player had to overcome to get to where they got to in the National Hockey League. Who are the names that come up when you think about the most pride that you have in a draft pick or draft picks that you've had a hand in over the years? Yeah, well, you know, it's a great question, and it's one I thought about. And, you know, one of the things when you mentioned Lagerbrenner, you know, from Cloquet, Minnesota, and you mentioned Hatcher, who came from Michigan and played in the OHL, Gary Lettinen, who came from Finland. I mean, I think, like, I don't think, we were really open to just, we just want good players. That's what we want. We just want a good, we didn't care where you were from. We didn't care, you know, if you were six foot two or five foot, we just wanted good players. And, you know, lots of the players took different paths. You know, Jamie Lagenbrunner, you know, he, he was a top student, but because of, of his birthday being in July, he, he was a junior in high school when we drafted him. And he was a dominant, dominant player. He was the best player in, in Minnesota State High School that year. And he left to go play junior hockey, not because he didn't want to go to the NCAA. He just didn't feel that that year was going to help him develop. It, 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 his parents were educators. It wasn't something that they just took and everything. And they knew nothing about it, but he was open-minded to it. Marty Turco, the all-time 
uh, leader in goaltending wins in the NCAA. And I love Marty. And, you know, we, you asked me what about pride, but Marty Turco, he was playing in Ontario in junior B and he was pretty good. And, but he knew where he wanted to go. He, he, he wanted to go to Michigan. And he was, said, I'm going to Michigan. Well, Michigan wasn't as interested in Marty at the outset as Marty was in Michigan. But Marty said, don't worry, I'll wait. I think they'll become interested. He, he had other offers. And he was so upfront with everybody. He said, you know what, I appreciate the offer. I'll let you know. I'm, I'm waiting. So ultimately, Michigan offered him the, uh, the scholarship. We know what he went on to do. But that confidence. Yerry Lettman. You know, he played with Saku Koivu and Vili Peltonen, which was known as the Huey Dewey Louie line in Finland. They had their numbers retired on the, from the national team. But Yeri was, was an unbelievable player that needed time to physically mature. But he knew what his path was. He knew what, you know, I'm going to come. I was in Sweden when they won the world championship. They beat, they won, they won the world championship right in Sweden. They're arch rivals internationally. And Yeri came over to our team, and it took him a little bit of time to assimilate. He became one of the key, key players. But, you know, you, you look back at all those players, and what I really get from it, Ben, is, is not so much the player that gives me the most pride. It, it's the process. It's about getting to know the players. It's about getting to know their families. We spent a lot of time with them. Jerome Iginla, uh, you know, we drafted him. I'd like to tell you, we thought he was going to score 50 goals in a season and 600 goals in his career. <laughs> we thought he'd be a really good player. He was a great player. We, we, we didn't even know how good he was going to be. But to go and be there from the day he got drafted, and then I was at his retirement celebration, you know, you, you really reflect and you start to think about all these achievements that he had over his career. And, you know, the, the little parts where you intersected with, the, with him and his family – and, and you have a great sense of pride because I go back to young players chasing their dreams and their goals. When they achieve it, and whether you're Jerome who scores 600 goals or you're, you're, you're Marty Turco who wins two national championships and, you know, was such a key player for the Dallas Stars, Yeri Lettinen who won three Selkie trophies, they had, the, they had the same dreams as any young player today. And that to me is when you can help when you can be some small part of helping a player achieve those very ambitious goals and dreams, I, I get tremendous pride and satisfaction from that. Craig, your answer plays into my last question extremely well. You're a guy of such a jovial nature. You always have a smile on your face, whether we see you in person at the, the Fall Classic in Pittsburgh or on television or wherever it is. And you have a track record of taking time for the little guys. You, you look at the, the Forbes.com article from 2016 you were featured in where a young student reached out to you regarding becoming an NHL GM someday, and they were aspiring to do so. And you responded with, I think it was an over 5,000 word email to the young man uh, and gave him a, a great response. And um, you know, personally for me, and you may not remember this, at the Fall Classic two years ago now, I was calling a Muskegon Lumberjacks Fargo Force game. And you were sitting in the press box and after the game, I was on my way out. You tapped me on the shoulders to tell me that you enjoyed listening to the call. And I bring that up because you have such a track record of taking time to pursue people to show that you care and that you want to try to help. And so I think your last answer really demonstrates that. But why is that so important to you? Why is taking time for someone that is in a very different sphere than you are at a certain time? Why is that something that you hold very valuable? 
uh, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it, it's the people that uh, helped me when I was younger. And I, and I go back to, to being in high school and amateur sports and minor, minor, uh, minor hockey uh, and, you know, teachers, coaches, and people that always, you know, you, you knew you were part of something, but you, you needed to do your part to contribute it to, to it being the very best. And, you know, not everything is perfect, but when you have people that are encouraging and helpful and patient with you, I mean, when you're 15 years old and you, you think you, you know a lot more than somebody else and you have a coach that's ready to tell you, hey, listen, you're good and I like you, but you know, keep this in mind and, you know, and teachers and, you know, I, like I've been really lucky in my life to have such tremendous influences in so many different areas, not just when I got into the National Hockey League, university professors, you know, high school teachers, coaches in different sports that I had and, you know, taking time and, you know, just trying to, you, you know, try to encourage somebody. Sometimes it all it is, is just an encouraging word. And I think that I've had lots of encouraging words along the way to me. So it's just make sure that I can try to do the exact same things and lend an encouraging word because the dreams of, of, of individuals, Ben, whether it's you in the broadcast area or whether it's a hockey player or a coach, those dreams are real and you want to realize them and you're pursuing them with vigor and like I said with the players, if, if in some small way that I can, you know, lend an encouraging word or, or whatnot, it, it's just really important to make sure that we're, we're doing that. Because, again, my experiences were always as such. And uh, I, I can't even begin to, to tell you how many people have been a, a tremendous influence in my life and continue to be. Well, it certainly meant a lot to me when that happened. And uh, I think back about it fondly here, chatting with you here this afternoon. Beautiful. Well, Craig, this has been wonderful. Uh, we really appreciate the time. It's always a treat to get to, to hear you talk about hockey, not only because you are so knowledgeable, but because it is so evident whenever we hear you speak how passionate you are about what you do. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. We're looking forward to seeing the coverage of the NHL draft. However, that ends up happening here. I know it'll be very different for you, but I'm sure you'll shine as always, as will the rest of your coworkers at TSN and beyond. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, the, the, you know, the uh, draft is going to be on NBC. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think there's going to be a few uh, USHL players that are going to be uh, celebrated as first-round draft picks. And, you know, again, watching those players, I get excited at the draft to, to see the excitement that they have about being drafted and realizing it's the first step. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great league. It's got great leadership and the people involved. I can tell you the next person I come across that isn't uh, somebody that's real terrific will be the first one. <laughs> Thanks so much, Craig. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, Chris, in all of our hockey circles, when the draft is about to start, we'll have a lot of good information that we can regurgitate that Craig just gave us there. We'll be the smartest people at all of our little draft circles too now. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'm sure we'll both selfishly not cite Craig Button on that. So we'll act like this is all of our, our own personal information. This, these are our thoughts, right? You're like, hey, wow, like, how do you know so much of the draft? Like, you must work so hard. It's like, 
yep, I didn't just listen to some yes. guy that knows everything for an hour and then, you know. No, correct. That is not, not the furthest from that is what happened. But uh, yeah, I again, we, I get to edit this and I can go back. I can listen <laughs> to it again before you even get a chance. I think I have the advantage. Exactly. No, we uh, the, he you know he he talked about it. Uh, he loves the USHL. He loves the players. Uh, the USHL and the players and the coaches and the broadcasters. Uh, we love him right back. So a big thanks to Craig Button for taking a good chunk of time out of his day uh, to talk with us. And by the way, this isn't talking to Craig Button months before the draft. I mean, that guy's got to be jamming right now, getting ready for, yeah. uh, you know, his live hits and, and his his different ways that he will be on the NBC Sports broadcast for that day. And uh, so big thanks to Craig. And uh, we, we didn't get into the Stanley Cup finals, which are now officially over. The playoffs are over. We do have a champion crowned. And the final crown, I should say, on a long list of crowns that have already been put on the mantle of John Cooper, who has won everywhere else. That includes with the Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL. He now has a Stanley Cup ring, or will be getting one soon. A big congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning and the playoffs that really nobody really was even sure was going to happen. And I, yep. my go-to line has been, yes, the Tampa Bay Lightning are winners of the Stanley Cup, but the real winners here, to use a Happy Gilmore quote from Shooter McGavin, the real winner is the, uh, I forget what city he's in when he says that, but the real winners here are the NHL. I mean, to get this done – to, to have it literally work exactly like they drew it up. I mean, maybe even better. I think everybody yeah. thought we were going to maybe have a hiccup or two within the bubble. There might be COVID that got in there somehow. Nothing. I mean, there, there wasn't a single case after the initial influx of players that went in there. They, they managed to get rid of the, any disease that was in there when it came in. They quarantined. They squashed everything. And they had a COVID-free bubble not only in Edmonton but in Toronto and then the final it was just so well done and and it, you know the hockey like we talked about on our last show when we had Eddie Olchek on we were just as invested in it as we were in the Stanley Cup playoffs of years past so a big shout out not only to the Lightning but the NHL. And also Derek Lalonde assistant coach who's been with Cooper along the way that whole time was with him in Green Bay and as well as Blake Coleman Indiana Ice uh, you know the, the old Indiana ice out of Indianapolis and Tri-City Storm. So those are the two squads he played for coming up through the ranks. And it was really cool to see him and Pierre Maguire mentioned the USHL in his post-game interview and how big of a, a thing it was for him because you see a lot of guys in the USHL from non-traditional hockey markets is the term that we like to coin. Um, but Plano, Texas, right? He's 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now where he – Grew up playing as a Dallas Stars fan, which was probably the weirdest thing in the world for him. But uh, he put the, the dagger in his old – the fan base he used to be a part of with that goal from Pat Maroon, who didn't even play in the USHL. He actually played in the North American League with John Cooper before John Cooper went to Green Bay. Um, and then Pat went on to go to the OHL. But, I mean, just the, the amount of Americans on the coaching staff, you know, not guys that maybe didn't go through the USHL or Kevin Shattenkirk, who was on – NTDP when they were in the North American League before they came to the USHL. So maybe besides those three official guys um, and guys that were on the rosters and maybe didn't play, there's so many other people involved in that championship win for Tampa and the United States. Obviously, it's a team from the United States, but the amount of Americans that were involved in that win was incredible. And I've said this from the beginning, and I'll continue to argue, argue it, and I haven't seen much. I've seen a few um, you know, people 
little stubborn on this fact, but there's no asterisk to be going next to this, except for maybe how great it was. It would be a positive asterisk, but this was the toughest Stanley Cup that it, it's been to win in, in the history of hockey. Like, you can't even fathom, and you know, okay, they didn't travel around and, and, you know, go on the road trips and blah, 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 but they fly so luxurious nowadays. I don't really think that matters that much. But four-month break, a new training camp, being away from their families, back-to-back games, which is unheard of in the playoffs normally. Now they're playing back-to-back games, even in the Stanley Cup finals, having all the, the distractions and the craziness going on in the world. And for Tampa to win this, this is the most impressive Stanley Cup in hockey history. And that's, I don't no matter what anybody would say to me, would change my mind. It was just incredible. And lastly, too, with the USHL guys, there was tons of guys that made impacts on all teams. Tampa ended up winning it, but Joe Pavelski, Alexiak, all the guys on Dallas, Vegas, Colorado, all these other teams that, you know, had a chance to win and a great chance to win the Stanley Cup. The USHL had a huge impact once again on the on the playoffs. Vancouver, or even, look at Vancouver. I have to, can't, can't forget USHL alums without mentioning Vancouver, which is pretty much an entire USHL team, which is ironic being in Canada. But, I mean, it was just an incredible, incredible experience. Great job, NHL. Great job, everybody. I loved it. I think we leave it at that, partner. Yeah. Only, the only bad thing is, is now it's over. Yeah. But, but we've got the USHL time, coming coming soon. And we've got the USHL yeah. coming soon. I mean, that, that's, we're just about a month away now. Yeah. The start date. And you're right, the draft. I mean, it's, it's going to be here in a hurry. And, and we just got to hope that, that those dates can stay firm. Um, and then we'll have hockey right back rolling again. And, and then we will obviously wait on pins and needles to see what happens with the, the NHL's upcoming season. And then that will likely follow suit with AHL, ECHL, and um, all the other leagues that we do keep our eyes on here in North America. Best of luck to every single player with a chance of getting drafted. And when you do get drafted, congratulations. It's a great honor. And if you don't, don't worry, because you still have a chance to make the NHL like so many USHL guys before. So for Ben Gisselson and Greg Button, I'm Chris Trept. As always, for Brent Meske, who does probably all the harder work than all the fun stuff we get to do. He does all, he goes into the corners and gets the puck to us. This was the You Show Podcast. This is the You Show Podcast.